The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. 
Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Kind of a sad day here in Ravensville today. The uh, Ravens today trade Orlando Browns to the Kansas City Chiefs for a, a parcel of draft picks that we'll talk about. Joining me today to talk about it, Dan Reese. Dan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's, uh, it's a pretty crazy time right before the draft and got a little crazier today. So, Yeah, sure did. I, I kind of expected, having waited this long, that we might see him traded on draft night. Like, when they got to pick 31, it might be the Chiefs trading 31 for Brown, say. But uh, not the way it worked out. Yep. Make a deal today and acquire a couple extra picks. I guess they wanted to give us something to think about this weekend. So works. We, we definitely have something to talk about, that's for sure. So uh, first of all, Dan, where can folks find your work in general? Uh, Twitter is the best place. Uh, you can find me at DP Reese. And then the number eight, and that's uh, D-P-R-E-E-S. So, All right. And uh, Dan's very responsive, does tons of work, and a lot of valuation stuff. He'll be on the draft show, and one of the things, he'll have all kinds of comments about the players, I'm sure, but he's going to make a ton of comments about draft value of trades in the first round. And, of course, that's the topic we have tonight, so we thought we'd go jump right to it. Uh, let's talk about the picks exchange for, for starters. The Ravens get number 31 from the Chiefs, along with number 94, their third-round pick, number 136, their fourth-round pick, and a fifth-round pick in 2022. The Chiefs get Brown, of course, pick number 58, the Ravens' second-rounder, kind of towards the end of the second round there, and the sixth-round pick in 2022. So breaking it down, looking only at the picks are exchanged this year, um, uh, we're going to get to the value in a second, but then it's a sixth upgraded to a fifth in 2022, which is a year deferred really is almost no component of this trade. Yeah. You can pretty much call those even, uh, it's, uh, not much exchange in value there. So yeah, very, very small, but let's talk about the other picks where we know the slot and we have several charts we can look at to, to evaluate those. Yeah, I think uh, probably the most popular one right now is the JJ chart, uh, Jimmy Johnson chart. Um, it's kind of a, it's been around for quite quite a while. Um, it, it's um, a lot of people think it's what most teams use, um, and the difference in in the values that the of the picks that the Ravens gave up versus the picks that the Chiefs gave up is. Uh, is about a 45th um, pick, uh, somewhere in the, the low 40s, uh, 44, 45, 45th pick. Um, so that kind of, you can equate that to the value of Orlando Brown uh, that, that the Chiefs are getting. So, All right, let's, so let's talk about that and, and sure. kind of give people the example here. So the, the Ravens got pick number 31, which is how many JJ points approximately? Number 31 is uh, 600 points. 600 points. So that, honestly, I thought between 31 and 41 is what they would get for Browns. I thought about 600 points in total might be a reasonable amount. 500 to 600, actually, is what I thought. But uh, they also got pick number 94 and 136. How many points do we lop on for each of those? So 94 is worth 124 points, mm -hmm. and 136 is worth 38 uh, points. Okay, so that's for a total of 7062. Yep. Okay. And then right. the Ravens are giving up 50, uh, pick number 58, which is uh, worth 320 points. 
So the difference between 762 points and the 320 points is 442. So if we go back and look at the JJ chart and try to find what pick would be worth 442 points, we've got the 46th uh, pick. The 46th pick is uh, worth 440. So, so, so pretty much the equivalent of the 46th pick. What's the and what is a late fifth and a late sixth? Now it's too hard to do because we won't know the numbers for next year with the compensatory picks that are in between as part of the problem. It's really like a six plus a seven is what it really ends up being. Yeah, just you know. Uh, the, if you look at the JJ's for a sixth round pick, they're in the single digits. In uh, a seventh round pick, they're all one point. Mm -hmm. So it's really maybe ten points we're talking here. The, the difference. Um, so, so maybe we adjust it. Uh, I think that's why I said the forty fifth. So you know maybe maybe up a little bit. So, um, so I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. So that that that's where I came out to too is that it's certainly worth less than eight points. That hole, or, or no more than eight points, let's put it that way, which would make it 450 in aggregate, and 450 is number 45, correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. So. All right. Outstanding. I love doing a little math with you always, Dan, where you come <laughs> on the air. A couple of, couple of actuaries just enjoying what they, what's fun to them, I think. Um, exactly. <laughs> one thing about the JJ chart that's been criticized over the year, and I think we need to start with the fact that on draft night, you can almost predict what, tr what pick will be traded based on what teams made the trade you know you know the cardinals and 49ers made a trade and you know what picks they have you can almost exactly predict what picks were traded based on the jj chart as opposed to any other sort of flatter valuation right you can argue what is a better like what is a more reasonable value of the picks mm -hmm. but when you're measuring what teams are using it the jj chart lines up really well um and even uh, i was reading something by uh ian rapaport and he said you know they went back and forth uh and they were looking for picks to swap that ended up around the second round and that exactly lines up with jj chart so that's you know what they were thinking is lining up with how the jj chart works out so now, yeah. the Ravens, of course, known for trading down more often than up over the years, at least slightly more down than up. Um, I, I thought, you know, this year they've talked about accumulating more picks. Don't really care what they talk about because, you know, it's all liars luncheon time right now. But it, it really seemed like this team could use more draft picks. There is a shortage of roster spots. Injuries tend to sort those out. Obviously, losing a lineman right now creates an extra roster spot through, through this trade. But it seemed like this is a team with a lot of needs also that, that really wanted to get the extra draft picks. Yeah, and I could see them dra trading down and also trading a few or lower ones back up. Um, but, you know, I think I could definitely see them being active and getting all of these picks really gives them a ton of pieces on the board to play with. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a lot of firsts where they could trade down a couple picks, uh, thirds, fourths. So just a, a lot of pieces to move around based off of who's dropping and who's available on draft day. 
Yeah, it'd be exciting. If there's a quarterback somebody wants and they might think about drafting him at the 35th pick, maybe a trade up to 31 and get the Lamar Jackson impact of having a fifth-year option in there for that quarterback. That This can be quite valuable. Yep, definitely. Definitely an option. So uh, uh, now let's talk about flatter valuations because we mentioned that the, the, the Ravens usually trade down and not up. Uh, teams that value picks at a lower level or think they can do more with picks that are a little later tend to really do well trading down, obviously, because they, they gain, you know, usually get an equivalent exchange of JJ value, but then they get more value than that because their ability to generate draft value with a lower pick is higher. Uh, so let's talk about some of the other valuation systems that are out there because all of them are flatter than the JJ, correct? Uh, yeah, I think that, <laughs> yep, that's the most extreme. Yeah. Um, so there are a ton of, of, uh, ways to evaluate the, 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 um, uh, the picks. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've heard about the, the rich hill that might be the second most, uh, <laughs> the, the second oldest, I guess. And, uh, that one, uh, the difference results in a 38th pick. Uh, so up from a 46th. So that's a little bit of a difference. Um, and then there's a couple other ones that are out there uh, on just the recording that you just had recently with um, with with the folks over over the cap uh, slash PFS. That's uh, what was that? The Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald Spielberger. Spielberger. Yes. Yeah, from the guys over at over the cap. Um, that one's an extremely flat uh, yes. valuation, and that one results in. Uh, the, the difference being the 16th pick. So that's that's extreme. So they basically value as many shots as you can get out there, you know, go after them. So, um, you know, so that's a, but that shows you the range, you know, you got the, depending, you know, the real value that the Ravens probably have is somewhere in between there. Um, you've got a couple other ones out there. Uh, PFF uses wins above replacement based. Um, so, you know, lots of math and science behind that. Um, I quote, quote unquote, science a little bit yes. loosely there. Uh, um, <laughs> a lot of math. Let's just stick with math. Um, and they said it's worth the 27th overall pick. So that's, that's uh, uh, pretty impressive as well and then one last one i wanted to point out was um by the way by, i wouldn't suggest anyone yeah. running their franchise by war in any sport <laughs> yeah. uh, because they, because it, it tells you how many games better than in the nfl for pff stat a three and 13 team right is that player yeah. in baseball it's how much better are you than a than a team that would finish winning 29.4 percent of its game a 294 winning percentage that does not answer meaningful questions about franchise building, in my opinion. Neither one. Yeah. You know, Independent this year, not the way to do it. Yeah, I don't think, uh, and I don't think the steps are necessarily the same. Like, you know, if you're already up at, you know, 10 and 6, is 0.5 war the same as if you were down, you know, at 3 and 13? No. So, yeah. uh, so that's the difficult part. But uh, still, nonetheless, I had 27th overall pick for them. And another one I wanted to point out was um, by uh, Chase Stewart. Oh, Oh, well, Chase was another one. What is that? Uh, that's football perspective. That's 23rd. And the other one was by Michael Lopez, uh, which is stats by Lopez on Twitter. He's the director of football data analytics for the NFL, and he valued it at 25th. So, you know, a handful uh, in 
the in the first round and then a, a, a few others in the second round. So I didn't write those down, but I thought you heard it say 16, 23, 25, 38, and then 46 with the with the standard JJ method. The yep. standard yeah. JJ method. There you go. You got them, I think. So that's quite a range. And uh, and obviously, if you could trade Orlando Brown for the 16th pick, you'd do it. But uh, uh, some of these other valuation systems may be overvaluing that uh, uh, the lower picks relative to the higher ones. I think that's generally a, an issue with some of these other systems is they, they don't fully um, uh, capture the, the peakness. They certainly don't capture the economy of draft day, as we mentioned, that teams are still trading by the JJ chart, whether or not it's the correct valuation method or not. Yeah, one thing that I thought was really interesting was that JJ and Rich Hill are the only ones that result in a difference uh, higher, like a, later in the draft, mm -hmm. than the 31st pick. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in addition to the 31st pick that uh, Kansas City's giving, they're giving the 94th and 136th for the 58th. So, if you, the other option would have them for them would have been to just give the 31st. So I would imagine that Kansas City wanted more and wanted uh, to get the 58th for the 94th and 136th, thinking that that was benefiting them. But only two out of all of those charts actually think that though that that second for a third and fourth actually benefited Kansas City. So right. more than half of them actually think those additional picks, uh, you know, benefit that Baltimore more. So mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that, that is that is really interesting. Another possibility of how this could have played out, of course, would have been we'd have gone into draft night. 31 would have been on the clock and it could have been traded then to the Ravens, depending on who's still on the board and offensive tackle. But at that point, it becomes a who's right and who's wrong thing between two teams who are in very similar positions, frankly, entering this year. Both very good teams, uh, very stacked rosters in terms of talent, really deciding who thinks they can, they can get a tackle out of the draft that will allow them to get through this year at a level that's close to Brown and then have a cheap talent for the future. Yep. Yeah, I think... Uh... The Ravens took a, a lot of the risk on uh, on this trade versus, um, you know, the the Chiefs are kidding kind of more of a known quantity. So, right. Well, that's it's one year risk, though, for the Ravens. Sure. And, and it could be long term because they could draft the wrong guy, obviously, with the pick. Yep. But but if it's it's one year risk of Orlando Brown, that's the important thing to know about this. The Ravens didn't own Orlando Brown's future, not in any way, shape or form. He was free to go after this year. And he didn't, uh, you know, they could have locked him in with the franchise tag, I suppose. But that wouldn't have really, I think, made financial sense relative to the other things they need to get accomplished next offseason. So you're not trading Orlando Brown. You're trading one year of Orlando Brown for yep. four years of this draft pick. Right. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that really puts the Chiefs in a kind of a bind, um, you know, salary cap wise. They have lost all the leverage. Uh, you know, they gave up a ton for Orlando Brown. Uh, you know, they could franchise tag him in 2022. But, um, you know, you've seen some similar trades with Tunsil and Ramsey, and both those resulted in the teams giving record contracts. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, th that could really be, um, you know, we'll see what the Chiefs end up doing contract-wise. So, Okay. Now, what do you think this means for the 2021 Ravens? Because we kind of started to hit on that. But 
The thing that I'm most struck by by this is that I think it means good news for what the Ravens believe about Ronnie Stanley's health. Oh, absolutely. You, you can't think that they would have made this move uh, with two open spots on tackle. You know, you got to think they are comfortable with his health going into the season. So, yeah, and and uh, understanding is he had a second surgery, and I may be wrong about that, but that's that's I think what I have heard on this matter is he had to have it operated on a second time. So there may have been a setback involved. If there was, it still appears he must probably be ready to go by the season, or I don't think the Ravens would have made this trade. I think they'd have just ridden it out with Brown and, and then hopefully come back with Stanley in 2022. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Uh, the Ravens also had Alejandro Villanueva in for a visit. And according to some sources, he's already uh, agreed to a, ter- a deal in principle that won't be signed until after the draft to protect the compensatory pick. Yeah, I heard one person kind of back off of that a little bit, but, uh, you know, that there's nothing really in place. But, uh, you know, I think it definitely shows a lot that they had him in. Um, I have no idea what sort of contract market he you know is would would have right now um i'm I'm not really sure what what to expect with that um i was i did read that he's only played four snaps at right tackle so uh, i'm not sure how quickly he would be able to shift but um he could definitely be you know backup tackle for a a great option as a swing tackle backup tackle so yeah i'm I'm not sure if he might have played guard before but to me villanueva is left tackle insurance He's the guy you have on the roster who can play left tackle if anything happens to Stanley this year. And there's a lot of tackles in the draft. There's a lot of short-armed tackles who are not going to make it ultimately a tackle, which actually makes the tackle draft market a little bit thinner than that. Otherwise, you know, there's a normal amount of of fairly high-quality ones. The Ravens may or may not think they know the small school tackle market, but I don't think anybody else does because nobody's writing about who these players are from small schools other than minors. Uh, nobody's talking about really any small school prospects. Yeah, uh, you know, I I think you know they'll definitely be looking for tackle in in the in the draft, and um, you know, I I think I, we we have seen them go for quite a few shorter armed tackles right in the past recently. Is that fair to say? 
Um, I'm trying to think of who you might mean. Andre Smith's well, pretty long arms, and and um, I guess maybe it wasn't just tackles. Um, short arm guards and centers. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they loaded up on those. And, and you know they had McCarry playing out there, but uh, I think Holden has pretty long arms, and Fluker has legendarily long arms. Okay. Didn't really seem to help this last year. Uh, and and Phillips is over 35 inches. So those are all guys that are. That, and this guy's 32 inches and change. Okay. In this draft at, at offensive tackle, who they're just not going to make it there in the NFL. They, uh, they have to move Eichelberg from Notre Dame and uh, uh, lots of others, uh, yep. Carmen, et cetera. But, uh, but anyway, that'll, I think that'll be interesting. Um, do you think the Ravens are likely to draft an offensive tackle with their first pick now? Oh, I think one of the first two for sure. Um, you, you know, maybe they trade back a couple but i don't think they can risk um you know that would be unless there are you know three tackles that they that they like and you're moving back three spots i don't know how you risk it um you know uh moving back so i think they need unless they find someone that they really know they they like uh from a small school that but I think that's a big risk. So, um, yeah. I don't think they can start there. That could be a developmental pick if they if they took two. But mm-hmm. I don't see how they can how they can have their only pick be a small school guy. Yeah, I really see uh, them using one of the first first two picks on on a tackle. Um, you yeah. made a great point there that the Ravens, unlike other teams, the Ravens in a, in a normal draft, if they had their before they traded Brown, if they're in this position, I'd say they can easily do what a lot of other teams do and trade back six spots if they have three guys they like. So they, then they, they, they basically pick up additional value and they say that, yeah, we, we'll get one of those three six picks from now. We might not get the, exactly the one we want, but we'll get, we'll get at least the third best that we want. That's pretty common. But now, because everybody knows the Ravens are very needy at offensive tackle, and that's, of course, a position that other teams need as well, other teams may, may skip ahead of them in the draft and do what you know, happened to the Ravens in 2007 when they got Ben Grubbs at 29, but the 49ers jumped ahead of them to get Joe Staley at 28, who really would have been a player that would have helped the Ravens at that time. Yeah, I think, you know, when, when everyone knows what you're doing, it's uh, yeah. they know whether it's worthwhile to pay ahead and jump ahead. So yeah. um, real risky to drop back. All right. Uh, where do you think this puts the Ravens in terms of drafting another lineman? And maybe I'll, I'll, I'll hear your answer to that, and then I'll, I'll phrase it a different way actuarially for you. Can you say it one more time? I cut, Sorry. cut out there a second. Yeah. The, the, what do you think is the chance that the Ravens draft another offensive lineman? So they, you, you're, you're projecting a tackle with one of their first two picks, and that's exactly what I'd, I'd agree with. Do you think they'll still draft another lineman further down? Oh, uh, yes, I think so. Um, I think that they have a couple questions, you know, center slash guard, depending on the starting. I think they've got uh, – the swing tackle, you know, needs some backup just in case. Just, you know, we saw the trouble last year. Um, and uh, so, so my guess is yes, that they will have at least a, at least a second. All right. So now here's, here's the $64,000 question for you, and we'll go back to, <laughs> to some math terms. I want you to lay out the probabilities of the following. Two offensive tackles being drafted. One offensive tackle, one interior offensive lineman just one offensive tackle, and then the field on all other possible combinations. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I think one thing to think about is that, let's see, I was just looking at it. We've got, 
got, I think, six pretty good linemen right now already on the roster. So um, I'm thinking that – oh, we – all right. One tackle – no, two tackles. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with I, – I don't think that's what they'll do. So maybe 20%. I would say – one tackle, one interior, I would say, I don't know, 40%. I think that's what's going to happen. Okay. And then just one tackle and nobody yep. else, oh, I don't think that's going to happen, uh, 10%. And so what did we, that's 20% for the field? You got 30 in the field still. You had 20 oh, 30, there you so go. Far. All right, even okay. more in the field. Okay. I think that sounds I, about right. All right. And I go with, uh, okay, I'm going to go with 20% for two tackles only. I think that's a real possibility. And we might get into a little argument about this after the fact that, yeah, we knew this guy was moving to guard, blah, blah, blah. That, <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> um, one tackle and one interior offensive line, 50%. I agree that's the most likely. And I, in, in this case, I think it's about half the time. One tackle only 20% of the time. I think they could do that still. They may have a guy figured out. You know, obviously they got Villanueva coming in, one tackle being drafted. They, they don't want to kill the career of some of their young guys right away by not having any spot for them to develop into. So they might, they might say no to that. And then I put the field at uh, 10%, meaning they, they do something else like draft two interior offensive linemen in addition to a tackle, say. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I think the field is uh now that i think about it <laughs> that was too high but i think uh i think we've got similar concepts there so yep all right all right is this a trade now where i know i'm not really happy with the total amount of value the ravers garnered in it so i like the, the kind of the quality the moving down quality of it and the getting more picks is nice maybe i like it better than just getting if they just traded it for the 46th pick straight up, I like it a lot better than that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but I, I certainly don't like it as much as somewhere between 31 and 41 trending towards 31. And I wasn't even crazy with the notion of trading 31 to the chiefs directly for, for Brown, just because it's a, it's a uh, conference rival. Okay. So, um, so, where are you on the trade in terms of just, are you happy about it? Well, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's a best of what we could ask for, given the situation we were put in. Um, you know, obviously, I would have loved for this never to have happened. And, you know, Orlando have been thrilled to continue at right tackle and have a great line. But that wasn't to be. So, um, you know, I think I think it really ended up well. I think um the you get a 31st pick where you can hopefully get a young guy to replace him and you get two uh third and fourth uh, a third and fourth pick uh so two shots at uh, reasonable um, skills uh for a second so you know i think that's really um you know good value for uh for him especially for the one year um you know I think it's it's as good as we could have asked for, especially with the strong tackle market. You know, there were you have to think about if people are looking for a tackle, and it's a strong tackle market. They 
they have to be like, okay, I could just draft a tackle. So you really have to find someone who is in win now mode and needs a tackle. So there really weren't that many teams that were in that position. And, you know, that's why I think they were forced to trade with a team like the chiefs, because you had to have that balance of win now and looking for a tackle. Like there, there wasn't an NFC team. They'd have probably loved to send him to the NFC instead, but, uh, but yeah, I agree. That's uh, that's. A little, I think it might be a little bit where both sides are maybe unhappy. I think the Chiefs, once the, once they um, lift the hood on it, may find out that Brown is not exactly the player they hoped he would be. Not a pure pocket protector. Um, he's he's very much benefited from the Ravens system and Jackson. And that's not to put down Orlando Brown. He's a fine lineman. But he just he works very well within the Ravens system. A lot of the Ravens linemen are, are of a similar nature and that this this could be ascribed to them. Even Ronnie Stanley, I think, I think benefits from the fact that he plays with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I think, um, you know, other teams may have seen that more. I think Patrick Mahomes has a, you know, a little wiggle to him. So I think that'll help uh, help OBJ still. So. All right. So we're sad to see him go. He's certainly been a Paul to Baltimore, a wonderful third round pick uh, for DaCosta. You know, one of the interesting things about this draft is that we again, and in particular because so many teams opted out this year, were faced with a lot of differentials between what the tape says and what the draft metrics say, the relative athletic score, all of the umbrella kind of metrics that lead you to believe that a player has just no weaknesses. Uh, you look at Spencer Brown is, is one of the offensive tackles who falls into that category with a, he, he might have a perfect 10 RAS, but he's, he's very high in all metrics. And there's a bunch of other players like that. If we look back to three years ago, they drafted Orlando Brown who had a historically awful combine. And they also, Drafted Miles Boykin one year later, who had a very full umbrella and not as much to go on in his college career. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think those challenges is another reason why I like having uh, the extra, you know, extra pick in the early rounds. I think um, I think it's going to be a challenging one this year for teams. You know, there are those challenges that you described, and then there are a lot of players that didn't play last year, and that's a whole nother question mark. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out for sure. Yeah, it'll be real cool because I think we'll see more Power 5 picks than ever, and then when it gets in those later rounds, this ought to be DaCosta time in terms of his small school scouting operation that he really built mm-hmm. uh, is going to be tested to its uh, greatest degree ever in terms of really finding those players again. Yeah. Yep. One more thing I wanted to just throw out there real fast is that, you know, a lot of people will talk about the comp pick that, um, you know, that we may have gotten for Orlando Brown. And I just, I'm not sure that it was as much of a guarantee that we would have even gotten one just looking at the free agents in 2022. Um, you know, the free agents, yeah. At the end of the 2021 season, you know, um, Campbell Williams, they're both a little older, so I don't know how big of a contract they would have gotten. Bozeman, uh, Elliot Averett. Yep, Bozeman. I'm not sure he's going to break the bank. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Averett, I don't think he's going to be that high of a, a contract. Uh, Elliot, I wouldn't be surprised if we keep. Lamar, we're going to keep, is my guess, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mark Andrews. Andrews, I think we'll keep. Gus, I don't think he'll be that 
you know, much money that he'll be that have a comp pick. Uh, Sammy Watkins, you know, you got to think about all these wide receivers out there that took one year deals. So they're all going to be out there. And the Ravens have the third highest effective cap space in 2022. So they're likely going to be active in the free agent market. So I can, I could see that being a year where we aren't even eligible for, you know, comp picks. So, you know, you got to keep that in mind when you're thinking that, oh, this was a guaranteed third in a couple of years that we lost. So yeah, good, good news with the Ravens is they have some choices on signing their own players so mm-hmm. they can sign Averett and you know, fill what basically is a pretty big dearth right now at a young cornerback. Uh, at, at hopefully not too expensive a price. They hopefully can get Elliott back. I mean, who knows, though? He could price himself out of town if he plays as well as he did last year yep. uh, with another year here. They, you know, they, they could sign Bozeman and, and hopefully not have a uh, really expensive Kevin Zeitler-like signing they have to make otherwise. So uh, they, they've got some options. And the Ravens are in the good position that, you know, you draft well, you have to make these heartbreaking choices with your own players. They've made one today with Orlando Brown, yep. and it just is the nature of football, folks. And all I can say is it's a lot better place to be in than when you're on the other side of this and you have to look outside your own organization for talent because you just can't keep up in the draft. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's the right, right side to be on. Well, Dan, looking forward to having you on draft night. Uh, we've got a great crew in. We're going to have two nights of coverage. Uh, Dan will be on on night one. Might be on on night two again. You're welcome to, to join us by all means. But uh, evaluating the trains on, on night one, that first round, which is going to be a very exciting one now that the Ravens have two picks. We'll be looking at that draft from a very Ravens-centric perspective. So if all you care about is how does that pick affect the Ravens, whether it's in the division, did the team get stronger? Whether it's how did how do we create a run on certain positions that may impact the Ravens later? Whether it's how the softness of the market, whether it's that first Raiders pick and how badly they screw up with it <laughs> in drafting a third-round player, whatever it might be, you're going to love our coverage because it's all going to be about how were the Ravens impacted by each pick as it goes along. Yeah, looking forward to it. So, going to be an active one with two picks. So, yeah, always a pleasure, Dan. Thanks so much for coming on again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.